You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 23 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Hillary Jastrom, and I'm so glad you are with me today. Sick Biz Buzz is sponsored by our parent company, Sick Biz Incorporated, and J Hill Marketing and Creative Services, obviously. Self-publishing is all the buzz these days. And before we jump into that, I just want to tell you, I'm flying solo today. There's no co-pilot in the cockpit. It's just me. Uh, we're going to talk about self-publishing today and how you can feasibly head up your own publishing company. This is one way to create a viable and long-lasting business. And I should know because that is the second branch business that I do. It pays well. The demand is definitely there. It's actually increasing year over year. I want to say that I saw a statistic back in 2015 that noted the number of ISBNs that had been registered this year were up to, or that year rather, was up to 750,000. Now, this is an example of identifying a niche and filling it. It's a trainable skill that you can use and continue to sharpen and hone the more that you do it. It can reinforce your credibility and position you as a go-to expert. Every entrepreneur, every business person, every Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company, whomever your client is, are being pushed to churn out that digital content. So this is an opportunity for you to capitalize. Thank goodness the digital publishing world is booming. Now, if you had asked me that back in 2004 when I was struggling through my first manuscript, I would have told you to go F yourself. <laughs> but it's true, the landscape has vastly changed. From about 2004 to 2012, when I attempted to publish Killing Carl, my novel about a serial killer's wife, yes, I have a dark side, um, I attempted to publish that, and it was a laborious process. I had to research. I bought a book that was uh, probably, I don't even know, the thickness of about five different books. I queried multiple literary agents. I took classes. Uh, I worked with a foremost literary agent in the New York City kind of circles, the publishing circles and the literary agent circles where everybody knows each other. And they're like, hey, Jess, it's me. So I've got this great author. And then you get out of the slush pile. I did everything I could short of strapping on snowshoes to get out of the slush pile. I even traveled to Hawaii and pitched publishers in person. I forewent the Hawaiian experience and cloistered myself up in a hotel, venturing out only occasionally for sushi and sunglasses. And the one time I went to the pool, it rained on me. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an interesting trip. I spent way too much time on a bus. I did manage to put my feet in the ocean one night at dinner. I just left the table and ran out to the ocean and stuck my feet there because I thought, you know what, I haven't traveled all this way to deny myself. But I did land an agent while she was on her way to the bathroom. And I think um, it was a record for speed talking. It was an example of just pulling my pitch out of my ass and just 
the level of desperation. I'm sure she looked at me like, you poor little waif. I really have to pee. Get out of my way. So thank goodness. The landscape changed. Securing writing opportunities is a lot easier now. Back then I was discouraged, as many were, as many are feeling even today. But back then, it appeared the publishing houses were running some sort of elite membership, some uh, Illuminati. Many talented and would-be authors were crushed. They were unable to share their thoughts and imagination with the world. I even entered a HarperCollins uh, publishing contest and through an early version of my manuscript, which was heavy on gratuitous gore, to the wolves, and they devoured it. And I cried. I had about 60 people read it. A lot of people enjoyed the stylistic, you know, tooling of my writing, whatever. But they, they tore it apart because that's what people do. And I wasn't ready for the critique. So that history came with a lot of pain. Uh, one of my exes pitched my incomplete novel to the front desk gal at Stephen King's house. And then they wanted to take a look at the manuscript as they were very selective about who to publish. It's a handful of people per year. Um, I wasn't ready. I was exhilarated, terrified, and furious at the same time. Here's a fun fact for you. Get your hands up our writing, peeps. If you are not the author, even if your intentions are in the right place, no pitching. So let's let's fast forward past the appropriate querying formatting that was needed and the full on first child's first child sacrifices and just say, self-publishing has changed. Publishing has changed. There are more opportunities than ever before. Now, this is good news and bad news. The bad news is it concerns, as my mother would say, dreck. Drek is a bunch of sludge and trash and garbage and just poorly cobbled together content uh, that's really more vanity focused. It doesn't have a lot of substance to it. It's not good quality. Now, the good news is if you're tenacious, thoughtful, and implement a trifecta of opportunity in today's world, then you will go far. And remember, this is not about perfect execution. This is about getting off your butt and taking action. So in this instance, we are talking about nonfiction books. And in particular, I'm going to refer back to an article I wrote for Entrepreneur. It is the first article I ever wrote. And as of this uh, podcast, it is the only article I have written thus far, although I have uh, hammering from people saying, oh, my God, would you please get back on top of it? And, you know, that's just how it goes. You have to consistently churn out that content. So the first article I ever wrote was 10 steps to self-publish your book like a bestseller. And I wanted to break this down into actionable steps to ensure that you were able to use this content and you can literally either create a book yourself or you can create a business creating books. So let's go through those 10 steps together. And I want to preface this by saying books are to business in the millennium what business cards were to professionals 20 years ago. 
So that means when you go to all these seminars or masterminds or what have you that people are putting on and they're hosting, likely they're going to reach into their briefcase or their man bag or their crossbody bag or whatever they're carrying around, and they're going to take out a book they have written. The book is not written to create uh, an incredible raging passive stream of income. Now, there will be a stream of income, but it is likely going to be a stream that you can't live off of, well, unless you live very meagerly, which is an entirely different discussion. But this is another element of your publicity. It's a piece of your marketing collateral you can leverage to gain followers, readers, and clients. And so when you invest in this piece of publicity, you will get paid back in actual dollars or Bitcoin, however you're set up. There's no judgment here. Books open up pipelines and partnerships. If you do it wrong, however, without the guidance of experts and without impressive execution, you can wind up doing more harm than good. I have a funny little habit I want to tell you about. When I am querying a client, so we're in that stage of kind of figuring out whether this is going to work together or not, you know, I ethically stalk, shout out to Matt Smith, <laughs> who created that catchphrase. I ethically stalk this prospect and um, I want to see what they've put out there. I want to see how they're cultivating their content and if they understand that content is, is content is like um, the receptionist in the front of a building. When you walk into a doctor's office, for example, let's say you're going to a luxury spa, okay? You know, walk in the door. Shannon at the desk is going to greet you. She is fully well-versed in the brand, what to say to you, how to welcome you. The environment is part of the brand. She's going to make you feel calm and pampered immediately. Her presence and appearance is an extension of the brand. So, and the same is true of your content often and, and always, unless you just meet somebody on the subway or hop on the phone with them. It is the first touch point of your prospect. So you have to take care of that content. It's your little baby. Uh, even if you are self-publishing, it's worth your time and money to use a good editor. And that is a quote from Tom Morks, founder of Insurgent Publishing. So even a publisher is saying use an editor. That's one of the points we'll talk about today. Books that have an editor read better. Morks finishes. So we're going to go through these tips to create a book that is a source of pride and opportunity and some of these tips are going to apply if you're going to write your own book as well, because writing has also changed in the world today. It is not, it is, it is no longer sitting down and hunting and pecking uh, through the keyboard and trying to extinguish any self-doubts or whatever. Writing has taken on a different form. I know that sounds really odd. But the majority of books that come to me are through a transcription service like Rev. Rev allows you to complete your first draft in a flash. Now, I will say prior to using Rev, and that's R-E-V dot com, Rev allows you to complete that very quickly 
you want to have an outline done prior to that. And that's a different show entirely. But we will go there. So let's say you have an outline done. Uh, it's got good structure. You're ready to roll. Transcribing only begins the process of writing down the bones. I'm going to give shout out to Natalie Goldberg for coming up with that phrase. She's one of my idols. You will speak effectively about events in your life. And this is a fine yet incomplete first step, but your book is far more engaging when you add dialogue, internal thoughts, and set the scene. Sometimes we call internal thoughts or the thoughts that we have in our mind that we don't speak internal chatter. So you want to remember those things. Think of being in a theater and you're watching a play and the lights come up and the curtains go up. And what do you see? You're invited into the scene. You want to, in a non-flowery, so uh, easy on the L-Y adverbs, you want to make sure that you are describing the relevant components of the scene, okay? And this is what it looked like when I walked into the car dealership. Sheila was sitting at the desk. And I could tell she'd had a tough day because her makeup was flaking off down her face as she chattered on like a Jayhawk on the phone. You know, it's things like that that pull your reader in. Dialogue is used sparingly. It's going to be used conversationally. It is not used to deliver uh, the major crux of the message. So if I'm I'm talking about solving a murder mystery, for example, or if I have alluded to a really exciting event, I'm not going to come in and say, Tom, you'll never guess what happened. And then continue to tell Tom, I went on the flume ride at Valley Fair and then I fell out and I bumped my head and now I know I'm living in an alternate existence. I'm going to show that event. Okay. Internal thoughts are. For example, you're striding out onto a stage ready to give your first speech. Your body language might be different than your internal thoughts, which might be like, what the fuck am I doing here? Who do I think I am? Oh, my God. Did I did I get all that spinach out of my teeth? Those are internal thoughts, and they work very nicely with dialogue and setting the scene, and they pull your reader into another dimension of you. So you're going to write down those bones or you're going to speak out those bones. You can do two things. You obviously can write. It takes a little bit longer to write. But I want to share an inkling that I had with you. Uh, and that is there is no such thing as writer's block. There is writer's judgment. Writer's block occurs when we enter the little buzzword I like to use as analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis applies to so many different areas of our lives. And in the case of writer's block, it simply means you are spinning because there are multiple decisions that must be made and you're not feeling confident about which one you will make. It goes back to churning out that content and full-on execution, and I heard a phrase somewhere is, don't get it right, get it written. So remember that. Get it done. Once your transcription is done, you are going to hand that ugly damn-ass file over to your editor. And let me tell you one thing. This is so entertaining. I have zero judgment for my authors, but many of them start their dictation or their transcription in different ways. They might say, hey, I'm coming at you live with the chapter 14. Somebody else might say, 
So, yeah, uh, to pick up, uh, we were on a bus in Arizona. I don't give a shit what you sound like. Sometimes I can tell when you're drunk. And that just makes me smile because I know you've had a little wine to warm up and loosen up. And you know what? There's no, again, no judgment here. It's however you need to do it. And the fact that you're executing, that's hugely respectful. You need an editor because no transcription service will accurately translate proper punctuation, illegible recordings, or they, they can't flesh out your story. They can't advise you on how to extract more of a memory. So it's intensely important that you use an editor. It's a great idea to use an editor who is well-versed in your genre, um, but also an editor who has experienced storytelling because even in nonfiction, this really feeds into the structural piece of it. Okay? Now, moving on to chapter three. Well, I said chapter three. It's point three. Isn't that funny how we do that? Don't forget to include the essentials. You want an introduction? A foreword? Your foreword is a phenomenal opportunity to be written by an industry influencer and allowing you to piggyback on their audience, include acknowledgments. Acknowledgments speak to, I would like to thank my husband for standing behind me and uh, never doubting for a fledgling second that I could do this. I want to thank my editor because they helped me uh, fully get my story to the state that it is now and my graphic designer and blah, 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 blah. Your editor should also know how to procure your ISBN number uh, and you will need to include a disclaimer prohibiting others from repurposing, reusing, or reprinting your content. Make sure your book link fits within your category expectation. A reader is going to be intimidated by a tome, but an easy-to-digest book containing comprehensive chunks of valuable information is going to fly off the virtual shelf. Uh, never skimp on a cover. That's our fourth point today. You want to set aside a budget between five and fifteen hundred dollars for your cover, between five hundred dollars, not five dollars, and that's what we're <laughs> that's the journey we're taking today. Um, your your designer needs to be well versed, and they need to be experienced in formatting your cover. They should present you with two to three designs. You're going to narrow down until you get the final iteration. People do judge a book by its cover, which is going to influence your sales. You don't need to take a class to understand appropriate file size formatting and how page length uh, influences or determines the width of your spine. You don't need to do any of that. That's baloney. Don't, um, don't waste your time. Insane. Insane in the membrane. Uh, format your ebook. A lot of people will pull back on the price and say, well, I just paid X amount of dollars to have my paperback created. I'm not interested in formatting this ebook. Why can't I just dump the content? Nothing is worse than a compelling paperback cover accompanied by a subpar ebook improperly formatted. Spacing needs to be correct. The margins and gutter on point. If you are self-publishing, you cannot skip this step. It can hurt your brand. It can hurt your readability. It can hurt your readership. 
And remember, readers are most attracted to ebooks due to their lower prices and immediate availability. So don't skimp on this step, peeps. Research your self-publishing company thoroughly. I want to give a shout out to Create Space. Now, Create Space, in case you don't know, which is this is a huge announcement, they are no longer offering any type of self-publishing services, no book designing, no editing, no formatting. Um in those terms, you need to be able to come to the table fully prepared, hand over your files, and they are going to be the executing platform. Whatever service you use, understand every step of the process and the order in which they are taken to confirm a knowledgeable team is at your disposal. Your understanding equals an agreement of the system. Then you want to proof your book with an eagle eye. I use separate proofers. Sometimes I do it myself. But now I'm utilizing a separate proofer and shout out to Catherine Taggy because she's been amazing. Uh, and the reason is because you want as many eyeballs on it as possible. If you're doing the proofing yourself, step back, give yourself a minute, give yourself a little gap of time so that you are not so deeply immersed in the content and you'll be better able to see if there are errors and typos and tense changes and things of that nature. My editors and authors share books back and forth until the edits are done. I do the same thing, and then both editor and author proof the final version. Remember your book hook. hook. That's point number eight. The book hook is written as close to the first sentence of the book as possible and explains why you are writing the book. You might open on a scene of yourself seven years ago when you went to prison and how it was just absolutely below rock bottom. And then you will weave into, I'm starting with this moment because it was an illuminating time in my life which led me to now. And I want to share those lessons with you. The book hook is crafted. Boy, I can't say that. I should say that three times fast. Book hook is crafted to snare the reader. Nonfiction writers consider your positioning. Are you a rags-to-riches story, a hard-scrabble triumph? Are you an innovator? What is the number one reason you wrote the book? And this, this really plays into marketing and your unique selling proposition. So to explain what that is, it is what your offering is that differentiates you from a slew of many other companies out there. Why are people going to remember you and put you as top of mind? You want to accomplish the same thing with your book. Number nine are your chapter hooks. At the end of every chapter, keep your reader hanging on. It is a twist and anticipation the reader can't wait to dive into. Chapter hooks allude to coming trouble, winds, joy, surprise, devastation, and solution. You're going to hint at imminent events to create intrigue. You might say something like, I had resolved that solution and paid off the hitman. And I thought my troubles were behind me, but I was deadly wrong. Ten is read your book aloud. Odds are you will record your book for Audible or another audio platform. If you aren't hiring a reader, which can be expensive, but also worth it, you can practice getting the words out this way. Reading aloud fine-tunes your cadence and readability so you'll feel more confident in your final delivery. And that is important. People think I'm crazy, but it is so true. I actually read 
my author's books allowed. Isn't that nuts? But it helps you to catch mistakes. It helps you to catch when there is a ripple in the tone. There's a ripple in the rhythm. And that's what the cadence is. So when you're reading and going along and you're consuming the information and then whoop, you, you hang up. If you're hanging up, your reader's going to hang up. So you need to address that, iron it out. So to go through a quick reiteration of what the 10 steps are to self-publishing your book like a bestseller and or launching a publishing company, transcription, number two, use an editor, three, follow industry formatting, four, don't skimp on a cover, five, format your ebook, six, research your self-publishing company thoroughly, seven, proof your book with an eagle eye, eight, the book hook, nine, chapter hooks, and 10, read your book aloud. Now, if you want to discuss any of this further, please feel free to get in touch with me. And that wraps it up for this episode of Sick Biz Buzz. That was a fun one. And I hope that you utilize this information to experience your best results. I'm living it. You can too. Opportunities. They are everywhere. We want to create them. Be open to consistently learning. And remember, we don't know everything. It's important to update and take in information as the world changes at its dizzying pace so we can keep up and contribute meaningfully. I teach peeps how to set up their books and now how to market them in partnership with Ryan Stuman and the rest of the hardcore closer gang. And I'd be happy to help you do the same. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz and help to spread our mission and message so more chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs can receive the help they need. Make sure to stop by our site, sickbiz.com to read the content of more than 20 guest bloggers who share their life and business hacks that will massively improve your life. And finally, don't miss out on our new app. Just text sickbiz, S-I-C-K-B-I-Z to 36260 and check out the coolest app on the planet loaded with resources. This podcast, ways to connect and so much more are available to you. And finally, make sure if you need help that you send us an email to sickbizco at gmail.com. You are why we are here. This is your community, a community of collaboration. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.